Buddy is super into this track. I really like the guest picking the music, especially when it's like something I haven't heard before. That's really fucking good. Black punk rock, baby. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. We did not talk about punk rock. I know that was one of the only designated things that we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> that was literally the it. only thing we didn't talk about. Yeah, that was literally <laughs> it. I said, this is what we're supposed to talk about, and then I moved to something else. Hi, and welcome to the Heart of Brunch podcast. I'm your hope, Dice. <laughs> I'm your, I'm I'm your the, hope, Dyke Michaels. I'm your the, only hope. I'm the last hope for brunch in this <laughs> Wasteland of a nation. All you got left. Uh, welcome to the Heart of Brunch podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels. Guys, the Heart of Brunch universe is growing and expanding, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you to go out there and check out the Drunk Dial podcast. Oh, you're doing ads right in the front. Starring me and Bridget Haran. Can uh, he do that, Zach? I don't know I if mean, he was allowed to do that. Also, It wasn't on the list. No, it really wasn't. Also, we got a, a, a spinoff uh, show called Burn the Well. Yeah. With your host Jake Johnson. It's it's very much like Harder Brunch, but they're doing cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh having local uh bar staff and mixologists on. It's kind of the show. I think the way he described it is uh sitting around and what you talk about while you're having a shift drink. Um clock out, tune in and drink up with Jake Johnson on Burn the Well. That is nice. Do we have a tagline? That's really nice. Um, like a... hashtag brunch nation. No, that's not it. <laughs> that's not what it is at all. Uh, With I'm... me as always, my co-host talking all over me, Chris King. <laughs> Hello. Uh, our producer on mic, Zach Rohn, the sauce boss of Indianapolis. Hello. And very special guest in studio with us today who cooked the entire brunch himself. Yeah, me. Chef Alan Sternberg, <laughs> welcome to the program. Thank you. Man, uh, one, I don't know. I, I've run out of adjectives for food. Yeah. You know, like. Just uh, recycle them. Uh, we need to. Well, we I haven't need, heard you say them yet. So <laughs> we need to look at like a thesaurus or something because all we have is, oh my God, uh, I want to die. Wow. Uh, that was great. I, I want to die could go a couple of different ways. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just like so much. It's like we've yeah. tortured ourselves. No, it was wonderful. And I could tell that amazing. you have listened to enough episodes that you've picked up on some inside jokes and picked up on. Just making a ridiculous amount of food. Yeah. Uh, everything was great. I thought um, about bringing a whole chicken. I, <laughs> just right at the end, like right before we walked in. Uh, <laughs> you're you're the goddamn is. devil. Yeah. He's, uh, he, Dyke's done that before. Dyke has forgotten about a whole rack of ribs. And then, you know, we were eating. And he's definitely given the impression that that's it. That's all the food there is. And like, oh, I forgot about these ribs that, Chris, you have to eat. Because you have a whole segment that revolves around you knowing what you just ate. He's a fucking asshole. Uh, real quick before we get into that. Well, was, you, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's your show. Apparently. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say for those of you out there listening that are not familiar, like you are probably the most, uh, um, famous chef to ever come on the program. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. Sorry, Bridget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Famous man chef. Guys, <laughs> and the two chefs we had on last week, but, but you're good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> But no, like uh, you're you're uh, uh, OG. Uh, worked at Recess. Came out of that. Yeah. Um, band of band of uh, cooks and bar staff. Who I feel like anyone that worked there for over a certain period of time has gone off and and started up something. Uh, not only important, but it's like something that's been like part of the city. People like kind of took their talents and and kind of brought up the whole city. Um. And then you were the executive chef uh, from the beginning of Cerulean, correct? No, I actually it was about a year in. Um, Chase, I've been the lied to. yeah, the original chef Chase. Yeah, uh, we are actually friends. I helped him yesterday cook over a live fire for fifty people, which was a lot. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I took over about a year in, and then was there through the rest of the run. Nice. Yeah. Did you did you close it down with with him? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a weird experience for sure. Yeah. Um, we like to play a game on here, uh, as you know, where Chris King gets to guess what he just ate. Yeah. Now I gotta say, there's some stuff that I'm not sure about. Yeah. This week. So I'm very interested to get Chris King's take on this. But I feel like Alan may have done that on purpose. I, think, <laughs> I will say, this is the thing. And I felt, you know, Alan's listened to the show, which is great. And we talked a little bit, even though we weren't allowed to before we recorded. But obviously everything was amazing. But I would say this is the first time that there were definitely flavors that I don't think I've ever flaved before. <laughs> okay. Like stuff like, I do not know that I've ever eaten that in my entire life. Yeah, and that that also might be a record for the amount of course. Was it like six courses, seven courses, seven, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get to cook anymore. Like it I'm was amazing just at home. So, but he definitely he did the same like trick where he's like, "Hey, this is definitely it because it's a dessert." And then the, that dessert had its own dessert. Yeah, and that was man, I ate it like probably too much, but it was, it was a lot. Okay, so first thing we have is uh, white fish and basil jalapeno slabs with beer port on it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that brown stuff was. I tasted it and I thought it tasted like like flat beer, but I didn't know. Maybe it's secret chef secrets. I don't know about. I'm it was a light it. soy sauce and a little bit of lime soy lime sauce. juice, olive oil, good olive oil. I think. Do you think that's what beer's made of? Soy sauce and <laughs> olive oil. I know for a fact it's, not, so. <laughs> it's physics, Chris. Yeah. Physics. Yeah. That was amazing. So what 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 was it in, in real life? Uh, it was cured of maji. Um, just marinated in a little bit of soy and, and lime juice. There was uh, some serrano, kohlrabi, yeah. and uh, shiso. That's that was my first mistake because I just kept eating that. I didn't like. I do what I usually do is I'll have a bite of something, and then I know there's like 15 other things coming. But I ate so much of that. Like I kept yelling at people like, "Are you guys sleeping on this?" And I just kept shoving fish down my mouth. Oh my god, it was amazing. The other one, the next thing was not a potato pancake shaped <laughs> like a potato pancake. Top with baked potato fixings and an egg. A single egg. I feel like you cheated on that one because you asked, is this a potato pancake? <laughs> I know, but I stuck. I like to stick with my answers, even okay. though I was told that it's not. There's, And I still don't understand. All I know is that I said, is this a potato pancake? And again, the one guy sitting here who does not do anything in the back of the house ever asked a question to a bunch of people that spend their whole lives in kitchens like, this fucking asshole. He thought this round pancake-shaped potato thing was a potato pancake. What a fucking dumbass. But yep. it was not. That was exactly what I thought when you asked. <laughs> we were all pretty much on the same. Yeah, yeah everybody was. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, everybody said nothing, and then Zach said, you need to repeat that. Maybe they didn't hear you. <laughs> what a bunch of fucking dicks. But it was, it was a, not a potato pancake. It was a hash brown. Hash brown with bacon and... Yeah, bacon. There was bacon. Yeah, potato, baked potato fixings. Like I said soft it. egg, right? I said every ingredient that was on there. Baked okay. potato fixings and an egg. <laughs> so technically it was a uh, palms roasty. Um, oh, now, is, now, he's, now he's got the egg in their face, yeah. you stupid asshole. Um, it's a palm roasty. And then uh, it was a uh, jowl bacon lardon and a uh, poached egg. So Yeah. So I, I pretty, ate a lot pretty of close too. on that. Yeah, it was pretty close. Hey, dick. Uh, <laughs> then this was, this was the one where, like, I ate a... I don't know. I did not know what it was, but I guessed it was shrimp and Brussels sprouts with wet bread. You got the first two. Yeah. Um, the wet bread was squash. Squash! Yeah, it was a roasted kabocha squash. Um, everything was cooked in a bourbonnier and then uh, glazed it with a little bit of pimenton, 
oil, which is a Spanish paprika, so a lot of smokiness and yeah, yeah. kind of bring out those those a uh, little bit more bitter notes in the olive oil too. So it was that was the one thing that there's no way in the world that I've ever tried anything remotely close to that. There was, was breadcrumb on it, so I guess I guess technically there was <laughs> yeah, that, wet bread. Um, now who's yeah. the liar? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's me. You <laughs> got <right>. me. <laughs> And that was what, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was the one thing where I don't know that I've ever, I don't know, Doug, if you knew what that was, but I don't think I've ever had anything like that. I thought it was, I thought it was a uh, calamari at first, but I didn't realize yeah, it was calamari. Well, it was definitely shrimp. Well, like it I had just, the I tail. Saw, I saw an upside down piece at first. I mean, I, I thought it was shrimp and calamari and then I realized it was just thinly sliced. Yeah. Shrimp. I, I, uh, okay. I sliced them through the middle and then, uh, poached them in butter basically. So, okay. Um, just real, like just to bring out a lot of that sweetness and, in the butter and the it worked out. Itself, so yeah, it was good. I ate so much of it. The other one is the next one is egg pretzel dipping sticks with butter. Close. <laughs> We're real close on all these. I think that the only reason I thought it was dipping sticks is because you said that you just basically rip it off the sides and then dip it in there. And then these dumb dumbs kept trying to like eat it with a fork. And I, I just shook my head like you idiots are doing this wrong. I did it wrong. Yeah, that's right. Dumb dumb. Yeah. So it was a, it was a kachapuri, which is a Georgian cheese bread. So basically, it's a bread dough with a bunch of cheese in the middle. Then you break, crack an egg or two on top, and then some butter. And then uh, I rubbed it down with lye to get that kind of pretzel effect and hit oh. it with some sea salt. So I figured, I mean, I like pretzels and cheese. So no, it's it was awesome. It worked out. That's right. I saw that. I saw that on your Instagram. I was like, what the fuck is he making soap? Like, what is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I wasn't going to say. Or that, he's just going to poison. I thought lye was the thing that they. they Put on each other's hands. And oh yeah, no, it's it's year. super corrosive. Like it's what you use to get rid of bodies. So yeah, yeah. All right, well now we know. After uh, Alex, after Alex <laughs> he likes to kiss everyone's yeah, hand and then drop a little lie on it. It's it's the two purposes: is pretzels and bodies. Pretzels. So, so he's either making dipping sticks or he's killing people. Yeah. One of those. Uh, the next one is great big ravioli pies. Yes. <laughs> Technically correct. Yeah, it's actually a raviolo. Um, oh, raviolo means single. Ravio- ravioli is multiple. So oh. it was a, it was a, it was an egg yolk one. Um, and it was like cream cheese ricotta and prosciutto mixed in the middle, and then just fried it in brown butter with sage. I did get the ricotta. That was really good. It looked like the um, I used to work at Wolfgang Pucks in Evanston. Brag, uh, but they look like it looked like that. It was like pumpkin uh raviolis at, at wolfgang pucks but i thought there was gonna be pumpkin in there especially because it was like real fall was one time you had one that pumpkin in yeah it. that ricotta really threw me off that's why i thought it was pies but then once i ate it i'm like nah, i'm not gonna change my answer <laughs> i'm gonna say it looks like pies uh the next one is little debbie french toast with apples and whipped cream on top sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one i think the only reason i went with little debbie is like that one was almost i think that i honestly my honest answer for that was that was that uh, bread pudding? Uh, no, it's a pamperdew. Um, uh, well, then I wasn't going to get that right. It, it's bougie French toast, really. Oh, okay. Um, but what I did was uh, I made my own brioche, and I baked them in little square silicone molds. So I was able to give you pretty much a whole loaf on each yeah. piece. Um, and just they, just they just soak up a lot of the custard. So that's why they get that bread pudding kind of texture in the middle. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, I can only I can only do half of one because I was getting I just went way too big in the no, beginning. No, you guys thought you were done by that. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. And I I, like, I had a lot of the uh, shrimp and wet bread Brussels sprout yeah. stuff. I got I got to say when like the fourth course came out, I was like everything's been amazing. Yeah. But I'm still going to be hungry later because I thought he was wow. done. And then it just kept coming. We're and, really spoiled here because it kept coming. Yeah. I mean, but Alan did it way more than he needed to and was really beating us down with food. And then the guys last week, 
like they made like seven things and then we're Zach mostly was like, wow, I can't believe they're not making more food. <laughs> <laughs> Just kept saying it. Like we, we had like a whole, the, the starter was whole sandwiches with spam. I mean, Zach wasn't good. wasn't good enough for him. And then the last thing I put was a uh, meat pulpourri with maple syrup dessert. Pulpourri. Yeah. I thought it was pulpourri, <laughs> but it, you know, in all fairness, it sort of tasted like maybe it had pulpourri in it, but in the best way I ate a lot of it. Like I did, I've done damage to my interior stomach lining because I ate so much. It was delicious, but I did think that it was meat pulpery. I got. Uh, I got to say, when I looked at it, I I thought it was. I thought it was bananas. I thought there was. <laughs> there I, was no bananas. I thought, it was a banana. I thought the. I, I wow. still, I'm still not 100 sure. You what know what we could have done? We should. We both could have played this game because clearly you were way off as well. There's not a single banana. It's there. way more embarrassing for me to be way off. That's true. Like, That's you expect right. you to be off. I did eat a piece. I thought of I was meat. eating bananas. It was meat. I did eat a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Was- I ate a the piece of. Nana. I ate a piece of. Uh, honestly, I don't know what it was. I just thought it was pulpery. But uh, then I ate a piece of meat that I thought was chocolate. Which I honestly, I realize now when I put my fork in, it, like that's not what chocolate does. But <laughs> I, that's not meat and chocolate are completely different consistencies. Chocolate doesn't shred on not, you. Not like, at all. <laughs> not at all. Not even close. Like man, he's doing some crazy thing with candy bars in there. It was meat. It was yeah. just meat. So is um is pork belly? Uh, I pressure cooked it with uh, soy and maple syrup. Um, with a couple other things in there and then cook that, that braise down into a glaze. Basically. Um, I sous vide some carrots just so they kind of, they're cooked, but like still have a, a crunch. Cause I knew the meat was going to be pretty soft. Yeah. Um, and then just glaze them all together in a pan. And then on top, there's, uh, some pork rinds, uh, black pepper, granola, uh, Jimmy Nardello peppers. And oh, some mint, some mint. mint. There was something purple in there, like a purple some stick. Carrot. Those were carrots. Carrots come in more than one color. I did not know that. Yeah. There's like two or three different. I learned colors. seven things today. It was a purple stick. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, a, thought it was a, a vegan hot dog. And of, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're gonna post uh, pictures of uh, all these dishes throughout the week. Seven days, seven dishes would be perfect. Um, that was the most um, visually. I was like, it, like just looked like a piece of art that I was just like, I, yeah. I don't really want to like tear into this because it's like looks so cool. I think the meat pulpery thing was my favorite. <laughs> Even though it came at the end, that was unbelievable. And that was another thing that there's no way I've ever tried that before. Also, I mean, maybe I'm an idiot because I didn't know there were purple carrots. But yeah, that was that was that one was completely new and it was amazing. Good, especially because I thought I was eating chocolate. <laughs> that was that was a big big, big surprise. <laughs> chocolate and bananas over here. <laughs> I give you meat and carrots. We thank, all eat bananas here. Thank you, thank you for putting up with us. Uh, thank you for letting us. <laughs> Uh, goof around on about your amazing food. Uh, it really was. When you guys see these pictures, you guys are going to shit your pants. Um, that's what I do when I see photos. <laughs> I've never... Just immediately, just like... Jesus yeah. Christ. There's a whole <laughs> me- bunch of things that could happen before that on Instagram. I'm yeah, Instagram's got to be rough oh, for Jesus. you, I, I, can't, I can't look at the internet. Although, you know, I look at my phone most of the time I'm looking at on the toilet, so that's probably helpful for you. Like, Instagram, like, that'll just push it right out. That's your morning coffee. Yeah. Just takes a picture. Um... That would be an unfortunate problem to have. Um, so, like, sometimes when we interview chefs, uh, I, get, I go down a rabbit hole where it starts to feel like we're just like doing a job interview. Like, where have you worked before? Mm-hmm. How long were you there? But like, could you kind of quickly take us through like your uh, adult uh, professional life and, yeah. and kind of up to where you are now? And also, while you're saying that, recognize the fact that he said I hate when I ask people what you know, make it like a job interview. And then he asked for your work history. Yeah, perfect. But I guess I, I guess I would let you sum it up instead of me going. Yeah. And then where'd you work next? And then what? And then what? Yeah. And then what? <laughs> yeah. So um, I started out in kitchens at seventeen. I was in high school. Um, friend asked if I needed a job. I said, "Yeah, it was dishwashing. It sucked. 
Um, and the first thing I realized is I didn't want to be a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So he started bugging the cooks to help them out and kind of, kind of fell in love with the, the job of a restaurant and not so much the food, like the food was whatever, but like kind of that same high that you get off of sports where it's like, you're in part of a team, like you, you push and get stuff done. Like there's that kind of adrenaline rush during service. Um, so like I just did that through, through college and, um, kind of got to a point where I didn't really care about college as much as I cared about getting to the restaurant mm-hmm. kind of made the pivot to, um, uh, going to culinary school and all that. My, my wife got pregnant kind of around that same time. So it was just like, you know what, like fuck college, like, yeah, I can come back if I want to, but like, this is where I should be going. Cause if I, if I wait any longer, I'm not going to do it. Um, so I went to culinary school in Muncie, um, at Ivy tech and ran a little restaurant there and it was, it was good. It was, it gave me my first chance to kind of um, experiment and play a little bit and really kind of fell in love with food at that point. And this is immediately after graduation. Um, I was working there while I was still in school. Okay. And then like two, that was like a month after I graduated, uh, the chef quit and I was like the only other employee. So like your, it's your job. <laughs> <That's the best. laughs> like, it best. was like a week before um, Valentine's day, which is why I remember when it was. And it was like, Oh cool. Like I'm fucked. Um, so, so I got to kind of do that. And that that restaurant was around for, you know, eight months after I got it. It was kind of in a rough spot when I got there. Um, but it really kind of lit the fire and kind of set some goals for myself. So we moved down to Indy because that was, that was kind of what we could afford to do with a family. Um, I think my son was born. Actually, I know my son was born at that point. So we had two kids and we were 23 and wow. moved down here, um, worked a, Worked at Late Harvest when it opened as a line cook. Um, and I started there like two days after the restaurant in Muncie closed. So like I was kind of in a rough spot at that point, just mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah. Um, but I was there for a little bit and kind of jumped around a couple jobs after that. Wound up at the local um, up in Westfield, which is where I met Erica, which I know has been on the show. Um, and then I got pushed down to Mesh. Um, Greg, the chef, uh, recommended i go down there they were looking for a sous chef i was the executive sous chef chef de cuisine i don't really know what at the local i was mm. you know part of two or three people running the kitchen um and he said he suggested it was going to be a little bit nicer food which is what i wanted to do and um yeah it, it was going to pay me more too and i had kids and he knew that so he, he told me to take that job and went down there was there for almost a year the job at cerulean kind of came up in there and it just kind of, um, it was the only restaurant that I felt like you could kind of do anything you wanted to yeah. in the city. Like it, it, it came into, you know, the restaurant showed up out of kind of nowhere, in my opinion, um, promising all these different things. And like, it seemed like there was no real limitations on the type of food we could do. So when the chef job kind of came up, it was like, I wasn't really looking for a job, but it was kind of like, that's the job I want because I can't afford to go to Chicago or New York or mm-hmm. go, go travel around. Like if I'm going to push myself, like I want to be at the best place that I can do that and progress myself. So. And what year was that? I don't remember. Um, this is the worst, uh, yeah, this uh, is the worst 20, job interview ever. Yeah. 2014. You're not getting this job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm used to it at this point. Um, I think it was 2014. Okay. If I, kind of remember yeah. right it's not a test we're not yeah. no I, i'm just kind of like thinking because like 13 or 14 to, I, to me the indianapolis food scene really started blossoming around like 2010 between yeah. 2010 and like 2015 i feel like 
the whole city kind of got elevated. We moved down here 2011. So like we were kind of right there at the beginning. I remember when Bluebeard was like the, yeah. the cultural trail was all tore up. And like mm-hmm. the first time I went there, it was like, it was raining and there was no street lights and like all the sidewalks were tore up. I was like, where the fuck am I at? Cause I'd never been to that part <laughs> yeah, of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, watching that place kind of grow and whatnot. And then I was, you know, working through restaurants at that point anyway. So, um, yeah, I was kind of there for a lot of those those things. I was there, you know, for a lot of the CNO stuff that that happened around that time when there was a lot of push for the media and yeah. in town. And um, it was a fun time to be here. And I think it was really collaborative. I think it was. I mean, it's something I I really strive to kind of help facilitate more of. Um, just because I think people are talking, different cooks and different chefs were actually working together, and like everybody was kind of moving forward, and there was a lot of just excitement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know anything. I uh I don't know what's really in this. It's like a color of blue. <laughs> um, I feel like it's been dropped around a lot, and I feel like I should have asked before we started recording. And then I realized as he was talking, I'm like, I bet I should know what that place is. But that was against the rules. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We yeah. weren't allowed to talk about punk it. rock was the, the only thing. Punk rock was the only thing we were <laughs> yeah. allowed to talk about. But uh, Cerulean is where was Cerulean? Uh, it, this is not me making things up to ask questions. It's all genuine. Uh, I am genuinely in it. It's on Delaware um, downtown. Three thirty nine South Delaware. He's got it. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. I had to say that a lot. Um, it was in the Alexander Hotel. That's where. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, uh, what's the name of the name of the restaurant? The Cunningham Restaurant. The Italian one. Um, the Italian one. Nesso. There it is. It's where Nesso okay. is now, or it was where Nesso is currently. Okay. So, so, okay. So Cerulean, was that a Cunningham? No, too? no, no. So Cerulean, there's, there's another Cerulean up in Warsaw, Indiana, actually, um, which is kind of where I, I got pushed to a little bit after Indy closed um, and kind of, I disappeared for a little bit cause I was working up there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was just a modern American restaurant. It was, it was very avant-garde in the beginning. Um, you know, we, we did tasting menus. We did 10 course tasting menus. Um, we, I don't know. It's just a finer dining restaurant in town yeah. and, and we gained a little bit of praise for it for sure. So yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard of it. Uh, and that's, what's embarrassing about asking about it now is that I should know what the hell it is. As someone who has been just in the thick of it, I mean, for the past decade, basically, and you've seen the city grow, you've seen the food scene, elevate and change um kind of uh where are you at now i know you said you hadn't hadn't been cooking like kind of what are your thoughts now i guess obviously covid is you know uh, yeah there's uh, there's big, not a big factor in all there's, there's not a ton um of jobs out there right this second but um you know i i went after after cerulean closed i went up to uh the other one for a little bit and a little bit turned into like six months and it's like a two and a half three hour drive so that was yeah. a little bit rough. Um, but then uh, I opened the field brewing up in Westfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there for eight or nine months. And it was, it's kind of a weird deal with like, I was still working at Cerulean and they kind of helped manage that property. Um, so I was kind of still in the company. I was just kind of ready for a break. So I left all that and uh, just kind of floated around a little bit. Um, met some other chefs, friends from around the country. And, and they kind of like, you're not happy. Like go, go do something that makes you happy. Cause yeah. you know, why, why are you killing yourself for a place that's just not doing it for you? Um, and that was, that was just where I was at personally. And then I ended up at Ukio in Broad Ripple mm-hmm. um, up until COVID. Uh, Matt Roby, the former chef, was leaving and, and uh, 
just kind of filled in there. And then it was supposed to be part-time or a temporary thing. So with kind of the shutdown, it was like, okay, this is kind of a, a good natural break for us. Yeah. So kind of, I'm looking to the future still. I've got, I've got some, I'm working on a project. Um, it's not quite ready to talk too yeah. much about. It's good that it's always nice when people bring up things. That <laughs> yeah. About. Yeah. It's nice. That's so. what we, that's what we hope for. We'd like you to didn't hear in. it here first. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to lead in and then not give us the information. Like, Oh, you're working on something else. What? No, I can't tell you. I'll get the recording then. Go ahead. No, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to try to do a really small fine dining restaurant. So it's kind of a distillate of all the things we were trying to do at Cerulean. Um, and okay. try to make it work within our, our current COVID world um, and trying to keep it as small and, and functional as possible. So that's awesome. Are yeah. you looking, you're looking for, and I'm not going to penny down to a place, but you're definitely looking around Marion County, I would imagine. Yes. Which I know is, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it broad. No, 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 I know. I don't want to, I don't want to tie you to anything. I don't, I guess I, I understand that there's still so many things yeah, that there, work. There, and it's, it's just what it is. It's, it's yeah. too it's too infantile still to, yeah, to yeah. really give you too much. And, yeah. you know, I, I kind of said I was going to open a restaurant after Sterling closed and that kind of didn't work out. So yeah. I kind of pigeonholed myself there for a while. So as people were expecting me to do this thing that I ended up not doing because kind of those, some of those deals fell through. So I, I yeah, said yeah. too much too no, no, early no, no, on. Yeah, before, totally so. understand. I don't want to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I just, yeah. when you, the only reason I bring it up is because you talked about Westfield. I didn't know if the thing that bummed you out about being in Westfield was not being downtown or just that place specifically. No, no. I mean, it wasn't even that. It was just me personally. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and like, I'm, I'm at like 17 years in the business yeah. and you know, it, it just kind of wears on you. And like, I've always been a, an 80 to a hundred hour a week kind of guy. Like, just on my feet, grind, grind, grind. And yeah. like, it just kind of loses something after a while. So you got to kind of take a step back and, and figure out what motivates you. So that's yeah. kind of, you know, I kind of went through a, a two year sabbatical kind of where I've just been kind of soul searching and coming out a little bit better on the other side now. Yeah. So. And you, so you just took, you took that time off and then thought, right. When the pandemic hit, like now's the time to cook. Is that, <laughs> um, no, so I mean, I still was working, but like yeah, the last six months or whatever it's been, um, have been really good for me. Uh, just being able to go do other things that aren't food and being able to spend yeah, time yeah. with my kids and like, yeah. you know, being able to figure out who I am a little bit more like yeah. who am I as an adult? Cause my daughter was born when I was 21. Like I, my twenties was just work. So like now that I'm, I'm 33. So like being able to do that stuff now is, is, you know, really helpful to figure out what I want to do in the future. And, um, just kind of figuring out, you know, the things that motivate me outside of, out of cooking. Um, because for too long I, I thought of myself only as a chef and I only right. valued myself as a chef. Right. And like, you just can't have fun. You can't, you can't relax. Like it, you just wear it all on your sleeve all the time. And you know, people just think you're grumpy and mean. Right. So. And you don't really get a break to enjoy it. No, it's, it's awful. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I know I'm looking at Dyke because we're, we're almost out of time. for. This oh, question. I thought you were looking at me cause I had a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't last no 17 years. Well, we were, I mean, uh, and I were talking about that a little bit about how I always thought like I, people always talk about, you should, you should do what you love. And I specifically, uh, I'm in HR. I like my job a lot, but I'm definitely not somebody like I grew up, you know, when I was like 12 years old, I thought someday I'm going to be in <laughs> HR, you know, firing just like my parents and things like that. But I do it because it's something I like and it's not my thing that I'm identifying with. It's definitely HR is a hope to God, not my brand but it's just a job that I really enjoy. And I like, that's why I like about keeping those things separate is I do what I like when I like doing it, like stuff like this. And then it's not, you know, it's not work for me. I didn't know if that's something you kind of felt like that too. Not really. I, I love, I love cooking. I love it a lot, but like 
I forgot. I forgot what kind of got me there, and uh, yeah. I forget where I saw it or where I read it, but I saw something that was like, you know, a lot of times when people get successful, they or, or achieve a level of success, they stop doing the things that made them successful. Right. So like mm-hmm. all those things on the outside of my life that I did when I was coming up as a cook, like losing those because I I just was focusing on the job. Like I just wasn't able to enjoy my life a little bit, yeah. um, you know, and just dealing with some depression and stuff. Like I know it's a comedy podcast, but like that's all right. It's talking about depression. It's the other of, side of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's where it all comes from. Right. Yeah, that's so. absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna. This is a weird place to take a break. We're gonna take a. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and uh, talk more about the service industry, and I'd like to talk about your uh, upcoming ideas for podcasting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to watch the live stream. They'll be. We're not disc jockeys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're uh, definitely not. Welcome back to the Heart of Brunch podcast. Uh, we were picking up where we left off, and I actually don't want to gloss over what you were saying right before we went to break, because I do think, and I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but I do think there's obviously probably a correlation of working 100 hours every week for a bunch of years and depression. Oh yeah, it's uh, weird how they yeah. <laughs> they run right into each other. So and and I I can't speak to uh, you know what what you were doing running out a full restaurant and doing it for that many years, but even for me, small scale running yeah a food truck business and and hitting the ground running right after graduating, um and and all the stressors of that like being your livelihood at the same time, uh it was stressful and I realized that all throughout culinary school and then afterwards. I never thought about depression. I think part of the reason is because you're so busy. Right. You don't have time to be. Right. It's almost like it hits you when you, it's like, it's like riding a bike. And you don't realize how hot it is till you stop. And then you're like, Oh, it's fucking hot outside today. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I felt with depression. I think there's a lot of new stuff too. Like there's so much you're absorbing all of a sudden. And like, it's really exciting. Like it's really easy to get sucked into something that, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's food or, you know, any other avenue you're, you're traveling down. Like it's really easy when you're beginning to really, you know, everything is so new and re- revelatory and, and like, you know, it all seems like the whole world is possible all of a sudden. Yeah. And then like you get to a point where it's like, it's not like, it's like, <laughs> right, 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 you're right, just right, like right. Oh shit. Like I have to go do this yeah. whether I want to or not now. Cause like, this is where I'm at and this is my job. And like it, like the fun kind of dies out. Like if you're not, kind of reinventing and, and finding ways to make yourself happy is really mm-hmm. what it comes down to for me. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. And I also feel like, I also feel like in the culinary world, when you progress, especially financially, it seems like a lot of times in a lot of cases, the more and more you become removed from food. Yeah. Um, I mean, the you pick up a clipboard and like your job was really, you know, trying to take a, a point off of labor and taking a point off of food costs and like, 
you know, mitigating waste. And, and like, that's really where your job becomes like, you're not on the line anymore. Like there's no time for it. Cause you've got every other responsibility in the world and the dishwasher didn't show up. And so you're going to do that. So, and then you start prioritizing what, what problems are you going to fix today? And like, you end up just not cooking much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, that's, that's why I reached out and was like, Hey, I want to cook brunch because I don't do much of this right now. And like, I'm in a better place. So like, I just want to, I just want to go do something fun and have fun with yeah. new friends. So, yeah. And thank you for doing that. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah like I, all week I have locked myself into a situation where I have to plan every week yeah. what I'm going to make and I have to go to the groceries and I kept like false starting and being like, man, I got to pick up. I don't have to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I slept into the last minute today. Like it was yeah. amazing. Um, I did it. I did it one time. I did one time we switched out of the cooking and I, I, I hated it. I hated it so like, much. Was like, it really stresses going me. Going to the grocery store sucks. I hate the grocery <laughs> store. I hate it. And I don't know if that's part of, I don't know how you feel about it. That's that just that piece right there. I couldn't get over. And then you have to make the shit because this is the thing. I'm there. I'm very much used to, especially on brunch. Things are just made for me. That's the best. It's come out as if by magic. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Magically things are made. But when I do it, there is no magic. I have to do it. It was terrible. Yeah. And you get dirty rainwater in your. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't taste that rainwater though. You know, what's funny is yeah, no, it's sanitized by then. Like did I, I told you about the rainwater before you ate that sandwich, right? Because we had the podcast. You sorry, just for people that don't haven't listened to the episode before that we, I deep fried a sandwich that gave me the deep fryer. I didn't know how to work, put it outside. A little bit of rain water got in there. I don't know. Uh, and then so roof water, <laughs> roof water, roof water. That's right. It rained. I, I don't know. The thing is, it didn't rain that day. I don't know where that water was from, and I don't know how old it was. It's it did not rain water. that day. Yeah. Old roof water. Uh, and but you, we had that whole podcast, and then later you saw that sandwich that I made that said, "Hey, don't worry about eating those. I messed them up." Plus, there's that whole roof water situation. And then you ate. You and Zach, I think, ate the whole thing. I ate the inside. It was good. <laughs> the rainwater gets in all of it, man. It's not like it's not like it's only on the outside. Uh, I, you know, sometimes you gotta spin that wheel in life. Um, and I <laughs> you do. are fine. You're fine. Uh, another thing that I kind of wanted to touch upon, uh, was that you've been in the service industry long enough to see this, uh, phenomenon. And, uh, it's something that I always want to talk about with people, but it's like, you need someone that's really been in it, but kind of this toxic kitchen culture. Like when I started, um, when I started culinary school, like in 2010, it was kind of right at this crest wave of like all these like cooking shows where like chefs are like throwing pots and pans and calling people idiots. And, and I could tell when I started culinary school, there was a lot of people, I think that just, it was, it seemed like a lot of people that couldn't cut the mustard being cops. So they wanted to be chefs instead. And, uh, that's an indictment right there. uh, (laughs) Gonna be a cop. (laughs) It is, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a lot of the same personality types. Uh, I think you might be onto something. Wow, this is uh, the first time I've heard that. I didn't know that was something that caught on. That people uh, are like, I mean, we just at the time that was going on. We, you and I, just worked for an angry person who had nothing to do with the show. He just that's his that was his personality. But I didn't realize that that was something that personalities people were adopting when they were in the kitchen. Well, I think I think it's a mixture of both, and I think one, it it is really easy to fall under the stresses of restaurant ownership, restaurant management. Yeah. And just to be a dickhead, you know, like it's, it's, it's kind of like a thing that happens. And it's like, now we're getting to a point where, and I hate to say millennials, but I almost even Xennials or whatever they're called. They don't play whatever the new, the younger generation. Can you, Zach, can you look up Xennial? I believe it's called Xennial. I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure I'm a millennial. Or Zoomers. 
Zoomers? What's a Zoomer? It's under millennial. Whatever I was under millennial. When you go to school on Zoom and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the only oh, that, interaction that makes you sense. have. Is that why? In the world, yeah. I thought they were Gen Y. Are they but, not Gen uh, Y? Gen Y, maybe that's what it like. I've also heard. You, ex- you played. You, I've you also like, heard, I've heard Xennials. Xennials. Yeah. Not Generation X. Xennials is the I mean, follow up. We have a producer looking it up right now. Yeah. Yeah, there is Xennials. Thank uh, you, Zach. That's all we need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But my greater point is they don't play that shit. Like, like what I, like I, I grew up in the, like the eighties and nineties and it was just like, whoever was older than you told you your business and told you shut the yeah, fuck yeah, up. Yeah. And like, so you, yes sir, no sir to everyone in authority. And like now, like that 18 year old server comes in and they don't like the way you're talking to them one day one. And they're like, I'm, I'm calling HR. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I gotta thing. work here. So I, I don't know. There's a give and take, but anyway, I'd like to get your opinion on how it's so observation of that. So I'm going to, I think it's a really interesting um, thought to explore a little bit. And I think a lot of it is the industry didn't try to professionalize like in the, in the nineties as food network kind of came into th- into vogue and chefs started to be a little bit more prominent and, and you start to see the rise of, of the celebrity chef. Like the only reason our industry is really kind of professionalizing is because there's a media viewpoint there that says it's not okay to act that way like mm-hmm. because it, it glorified that for so long like yeah you know if you read kitchen confidential like anthony bourdain made a lot of money and it took him all over the world glorifying a lot of those things mm-hmm. um but it's only been more recently when when you know the cultural shift in general is saying you know that's not okay like we're, it didn't come from the inside yeah um so i think there's i think there's a lot of there's a lot of resentment towards younger generations that don't want to put up with shit we went through. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think they're wrong either. Like, I think that's, maybe that's my hot take for this whole thing is like, I don't think people have to go through a certain level of, yeah. you know, punishment. <laughs> Emotional to, abuse. Yeah. Like, no, that's absolutely know, valid. Yeah. I, I had a chef that got in my face and, you know, he pulled me over on the side in the middle of a Friday night. And was like, you know, take your dick out of my ass and quit fucking me. And, <laughs> and you just had to say, yes, chef. And yeah. then turn your turn around and go back to fucking stuff up for the next three hours. Right. And like it it sucked. Like that intimidation wasn't yeah, it wasn't good for me. Um and I don't think it's good for other people. Like I, I had an epiphany about a year and a half ago. I was I when I was working up at the Warsaw restaurant, um most of the staff up there was high schoolers and and there was one point where I was the only guy in the kitchen and the only person not in high school in the kitchen yeah. and it's like fuck all these people are closer to my daughter's age than yeah. my age so like if i can't say something in front of my daughter like i'm not going to say it in front of them because it like they're they're 17 18 year old girls like i i shouldn't be saying these things i shouldn't i need to watch the way yeah. i approach staff um because they're, they're just not receptive of it and like yeah. you have to learn new ways to motivate people i think the people that can motivate the next generation or two like and figure out that code and, and what because it's not it's not money um because right. i mean we're never going to retire we're never going to have savings like we blow all our money on whatever we can afford in the moment like so it's not the same it's not the traditional values of, of what it's going to motivate you you know because growing up in kitchens it's you know i want to be the highest paid line cook so i got to be you know the best line cook there and that's what motivated me coming up. And, and like, like I said before, like I liked it because it was kind of a sport almost like yeah. I like to, to challenge myself and like yeah. have little competitions and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I think the, I think the whole culture is just changing and 
we have to be receptive of it because if we want it to continue, like if you want people to continue to do a good job, it's going to be very hard to motivate them through those this more traditional means to, to motivate a brigade. And even the brigade system is just going to like right. disappear. And if you don't know what that is, that's kind of like the hierarchy of the kitchen. Well, I mean, I think that's, I mean, this is a very HR question, what we're, what we're talking about here. It's, it's HR discussion, but I think that's the thing is like motivation has completely changed, but we definitely, our generation grew up like just accepting, like Dyke said, that these people are older and they're going to tell you what to do and they're going to scream at you and that's just life. And you have to just continue to do that. And there are people that are coming up that are not like, no, life isn't like this. I'm going to push back. And respect is earned. It's not just given. And, you know, I think that comes from the other side, though. We're not, like you said, we're not coming in and yelling at people just for the sake of yelling at people. You're coming in, you're working with people, and you're worried about how those people will be treated. And considering how you're going to be motivated, dick up your ass chef guy that you were just talking about. He wasn't, he wasn't sitting like, how am I going to motivate this guy? How am I going to motivate him and get him really excited about the kitchen? All he's thinking is, this guy's fucking up. My way is the way. And he should just know that. And that... That's part of that shift. And to me, all of that stuff seems positive. The other flip side of it where you come you come back to it of like younger people like pushing back is that it does make the job the author- the the job when you're when you're a leader, it makes that job harder. It makes it harder. Yeah. But in the end it'll make you better at that job. I mean, I feel really lucky that like I had kids young because now that I'm in my thirties, like they're older and like I have a whole life experience of being a dad. So like yeah. I honestly I treat staff most of the time I, I come into it more as a, like that, that parental figure. Yeah. Um, not because I think they're children or anything, but, but so just like, and tell them what to wear. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. Um, <laughs> get to bed. Um, you know what I'll, I'll say for this city, it's a lot better than trying to bang your staff. So, <laughs> well, well, I'm sorry. Been... <laughs> what, what, what? Hey, we've had some issues. Okay. We've had some issues. Wait, who, who has issues? Uh, just the city. Oh, the city. Yeah. I didn't I'm know. Sorry. I was just going for a joke. I'm sorry. That's, are you banging your staff? <laughs> no. Who works for you? It's just me and Zach, dude. <laughs> I got something to tell you. <laughs> I need to talk to HR. I don't yeah. know that this should have been recorded. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, Alan, back to what you were saying. I don't even know what I was saying at this point. <laughs> uh, I think I've been s- married a long time, so I need to throw that in there. So. <laughs> Uh, wow, that's I like what you did there. You segued into confusion. So Alan's making his own podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're taking, we're, we've decided to show him what not to do right out of the gate. And, uh, Dyke has just hit on the first thing. Don't say weird shit. Yeah. Perfect. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk really heavy topics and, and no levity at all. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. No, nothing. None. Just no, no. Straight face. And yeah, you know, you have to make it all dips and then very low valleys and then never come back up. That's the Dyke way of making podcasts. Did it just turn to night <laughs> on top of everything? Did the sun just go out? Yeah. Uh, again, Did I just bomb so hard the sun went out? Here's a second. Here's a second piece that you should do in a podcast. A Talk out. about a visual topic on something <laughs> that is recorded. Uh, so you're doing a podcast. You're doing a podcast. Not yet. Right? Not yet. We're working on it. And what are you guys going to do? You have a co-host? Or are you going to not that? I I mean, I'm looking for a job. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Uh, but do you have a co-host or do you have an idea of what you're going to do? Yeah. We like actually I, I want to just talk to people about the the future of the industry. Like I, yeah. I kind of was reminded of where I got a lot of my work ethic from. Um, I rode BMX for a long time um, and actually just started back at the beginning of COVID. Like I I picked up my bike for the first time in eight and a half years. Um, And just like one of the first times I went out, I ran into some friends that I knew that movie rad. I have, (laughs) I wanted to jump out of a kicks bowl my whole (laughs) life. um, But uh, you know, just being able to go ride a bike and, 
have someone be excited and happy for you yeah. because you're doing something that's hard for you. And like, they get nothing out of it except like they're able to be happy. Like that was kind of a, an aha moment. Like that's where a lot of my work ethic come from or came from. And like that yeah. got me into punk rock and like being able to go to shows and like, I would go to work and like get off of work, race to the venue and like they were done. So like I would just help load bands out just cause like I wanted to make sure stuff was happening. Like I was just happy to right. be a part of something. And so like the whole podcast for me is like, how do we build a better community for our, our food people? Like how do we, how do we, you know, create more bonds and have yeah. more cross pollination? How do we, how do we deal with these issues? How do we normalize, you know, talking about mental health and being able to talk about real problems within the industry um, so that we don't have to keep falling down those same stairs over and yeah, over yeah. again. Like I, if my kids ever got into the industry, like I want it to be better for them. Yeah. And like, if I'm going to stay in it, like I might as well make it better because it was exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting to have someone throw pans at you or to yell at you or just beat you down for no reason for like little wage and yeah. long hours. And right. then you just feel like shit. Like if, if you pull up to the parking lot and like you feel just so anxious to even like walk in the door, like yeah, how are you yeah. going to be a good employee? Yeah. How are you going to be a good person? Like how are you not going to bring that home to a significant other or, or your family, like it's just rough out there. So like, I'd rather build people up at this point. Yeah. And like, I'm not perfect. Like I've definitely, I was a yeller at one point and you know, I've definitely thrown some shit and <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you know, I definitely uh, had some HR run-ins. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but I'm older now and like, I just want to share that with other people and, and get other people's opinions. Like, you know, not to get too political in the whole thing, but like, yeah, the, the, as a white guy, which I'm a white guy, if you couldn't tell by my voice, that is political. Um, I, it's rough <laughs> out here. Um, but like, I figured out the the thing I can do most, or the thing I can do, hopefully, the best is give other people a voice, and, and just kind of give more platforms to more people. So yeah, like, yeah. if I can do that, and like talk to people that are just in different situations than me, like, and I can understand people better, then hopefully, I'll end up being a better person. Yeah. No, absolutely. That sounds like a zany, zany good time. I, th- <laughs> I think, uh, I get a slide whistle. Or... <laughs> no, they, like these are, these are conversations I've been wanting to have for a long time. And I like, I never know quite the, and I think a lot of people do want to have those conversations. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're hard conversations to have. So I've, well, I've been lucky enough to like meet a bunch of people from around the country. And, um, you know, one of the big motivators for me to like, take, take a step back and, you know, find myself was I would, I got to go do uh indie chefs week, which is they invite 24 chefs from around the country. Um, all with various, you know, national accolades. For, well, not all of them, but like most of them. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty high caliber group yeah. and they do a couple nights of dinners, but like there's a wellness part of this whole retreat. And I got to go to Chicago and I remember sitting in Lincoln park and hearing a story about, you know, you know, you don't have to stay in jobs you hate. And, being able to just kind of share that and, and share my story and my, right. my issues and like all these other chefs that are like also at a pretty good level. Um, and you realize like, you're not alone. Like yeah. as much as, as much as a job can make you feel isolated, like there's so many people going through that same thing. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of pushed me to, to get out there and to be a better person. Like, and that's, that's kind of what, well, you know, especially now. I mean, I think, but I think that the silver lining of that you're in it, you you know, this isn't the only thing is that we're all sort of in together. I think as Dyke and I have been doing this podcast and we definitely did not plan to do something where we had serious conversations about the state of the industry. <laughs> just happened to start right Sorry. around COVID. Um, but 
it is the the good of that is that you realize that we're all in this, but then you have this community that's also like building you up, and then a podcaster, any kind of conversation that you know other people can listen to that supports that is is exciting. And, and I think you're right. I think that you know for a long time there weren't avenues for that, and I think that you're when you're waiting tables, especially growing up. You know, Dyke and I are relatively the same age that growing up in, in the service industry and just, you know, getting screamed at, you just assume like this is what the job is and this is your only choice and that's what the world's supposed to be. And to realize like, one, that a lot of people have been there and two, that you don't have to do that. That you, you definitely, regardless of, you know, money or whatever your situation is, you definitely don't need to be in a job that you hate. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's a big thing and, and there's not enough people, there's not enough avenues that you can explore that because I think there are people that are still sitting in jobs that they just you know, are anxious and have anxiety going to every day and think there's no way out. Yeah, I, I, I think that in COVID too, this should be such a time of reflection. I mean, obviously it's like, we all know that restaurants are going under and it's sad and it's fucked up. <clears throat> but like, as like looking to the future, if we're going to make any kind of lemonade out of these lemons, then one of those things would be like, let's really evaluate this industry and it's time to start having conversations about like, let's reevaluate tipping how we do it. Yeah. Let's reevaluate the, the kind of, because like I, I remember, and this is stuff that I've said and like, kind of like, you're like, Oh, I've, I've done the, like the, the things that we want to change are also things that we're definitely guilty of. Yeah. But I, I definitely remember being in the kitchen being like, being in the kitchen is the only place where you could just talk like what? Uh, this is like, well, this isn't a comedy stage. <laughs> and like, I believe what you're doing is called sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But it was like for the longest time, it was just like anything flies in the kitchen, right, boys? <laughs> no. Oh, that's a lady. Um, that's a lady there. Uh, uh, but like, yeah, this kind of uh, our, our general attitudes. I think, I think tipping, also just like restaurants in general. Like when we have the conversation, that like we're not charging. We're like we have this bargain mentality where we're not charging enough for food. Yeah. For what the actual? I try to remind people that like. Subway's five dollar foot long promotion went on for like twenty years. I don't know if that's a real date, but like it was it a went while. on for so long, and, and like and every, not, it doesn't exist anymore as well. But it took a long time. But like the rest of the market, like food did not the the price of food did not inflate at the same rate as the rest of the economy. Like look at the difference between a cell phone price when five dollar foot long started versus mm-hmm. yeah. when it ended. That's fast. And that's, it's like okay, it went up a thousand dollars. Like. And it yeah. doesn't really take that much more. Pro- like, it's just more automated, too. So, like, the industry has been super slow to evolve. And I think a lot of it is we, when you're operating a restaurant, when you're in this day-to-day and you're just going, 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 it is really hard to pivot. Like, it was amazing to watch yeah. so many people try to pivot. And, you know, unfortunately, several of them failed when they when everything happened. Um, but it was just amazing to watch it you know, them try because I, I haven't seen so many restaurant tours try to pivot ever yeah. over the course of, of the life right, of a restaurant. Yeah, like, right. And like, that's an encouraging thing for me. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity out there. Um, you know, there's a, there's going to be people that fall off obviously like it sucks. And you know, some of them are my friends and, and like, I hate to see that, but like there's still going to be a hole on the other side. So yeah. I'd rather help try to build it up and be better on the other side than, yeah. than just kind of just back to business. Back right. to business as usual. Well, that's going to yeah. be the bummer is if the, all this happens and we learn nothing and we just get back in restaurants. I think that's the thing is initially people are like, well, let's get back to normal. But I almost think that getting back to that normal is almost, that's a, that's a downside. If we don't improve and we can come back out of it, I think that's. And also, I don't want to be too revolutionary here too, but like. <laughs> oh God. I, I do. I, I, I get this point sometimes too, where it's just like, 
Uh, the thing that made me the most um, personally conservative was being a small business owner. Yeah. And like, that was the, I kept, but I was like, why is there all this red tape? Why are we going to do this? Why are we going to do this? And uh, why has everyone got their hand in my pocket? And it made me definitely a little more fiscally conservative. Um, but maybe just kind of like, I like to cook, you know, and I realized after a very expensive tuition at going to culinary <laughs> school, and, and uh, you went to art institute. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a what are your thoughts? Yeah, what are thoughts on that? I'm glad I went to Ivy Tech. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pyramid scheme, actually. Yeah, it's a little, a little literal yeah. pyramid. Yeah, it was a pyramid the scheme in the, pyramids. in the pyramids. But out of any school, I feel like I mean I've seen a million to ways to space chefs that came out of the chef's academy, but I've met some really good people who came out of the chef's academy yeah. too. I feel like the knowledge is there no matter where you go. It's just like. How do you? I've seen people that graduated with an, uh, a like a three week associate's degree from Chef's Academy, and then show up as a line cook. It's like I don't wash dishes. And I was like, Yes, yeah, Chef, you do. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not going to stop either. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh man, there's there's a few things I could just tell if you're a piece of shit, Chef. Um, we won't go into those. I felt yeah. like you were going to. Well, I'm really, really, really curious now. <laughs> yeah. It, I feel it, like it, we're going to do a segment called geez. Piece of Shit Chef. Yeah, okay. Chef. Piece of Shit Chef. Anyone yeah. who thinks they're above washing dishes, sure. go fuck yourself. Well, you already did that one. Back. Um, Get like a new one. Um, I, I'll tell you what, yeah. uh, without saying any names, okay. I had somebody borrow my food truck for a pop-up. Zach Brown. And uh, did not bother to wipe it down or clean up oh. or anything. It was just like, oh. just like, what are you fucking doing, man? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Piece of shit, chef. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, what were we talking about? Uh we were talking about piece of shit chefs. So no. What's another one? I think you know. Uh, that's the thing. I think that's the thing you don't realize about the service industry. It the majority of the job. It's like brewing. Brewing beer is the exact same way. The majority of the job is cleaning. Yeah, like that's the job, <laughs> cooking yeah. and, and and all that stuff, and even brewing is the exact same way. All that's like a a thing that you do, but cleaning is the job. Ninety five percent of it is cleaning the shit up. I remember what I was saying. So oh, okay. good. I'm glad we went back. <laughs> Dude, ignore my topic. Let's go I right back know, to so, yours. Hey, you would do ten more minutes on cleaning. That's <laughs> uh, sometimes you got to clean the underside of things. You got to use soap. Uh, Sometimes you use your fingers to feel <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the dirt. Yeah, we can talk about the whole thing. Uh, no, I was just saying that, like, what where I kind of came to was that, like, somebody somebody asked me if I had fallen out of love with cooking, and that really kind of hurt to, to even hear that question. I was like, especially because it sounds like you're gonna cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> you look like it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized I realized where my passion for me was not in probably being a restaurateur. Yeah, and I I thought I just thought like well that's what that's how you do the cooking that's how yeah. you uh, that's the Pokemon evolution of being a chef is you own your own restaurant yeah, yeah. stage three and uh, I realized that that was I always get so nerdy on this fucking podcast we can't no, we, can, we can go Every I heard time. you like Star Trek so if you ever want to talk Star Trek we can uh, do that I, too. I love all the yeah tracks. we wasted so much time yeah. not talking about Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> but like anyway what I what I was getting at is like kind of you know, maybe it's not a restaurant. Maybe, maybe it's, it's cooking on your own terms and doing these things. And, and maybe we need to invent these things. Yeah. Maybe it's like, for me, it's a brunch podcast where, yeah, yeah. where I get to. Yeah. And that's super cool. Like, I think there's, there's a million avenues out there and like, just cause restaurants have been the main avenue. Right. Like my, my original degree was going to be in photojournalism, um, in telecommunications. So like originally I going back to the whole bike riding thing, like, I knew I wanted to be in bike riding. So I went for a degree to do some of the ancillary jobs to yeah. stay in that industry, even though I knew I didn't have the talent to be an athlete necessarily. 
So like, I think that the same thing is, is very applicable to the food industry. Like do pop-ups, do, do supper clubs, do dinners, do brunch podcasts, like do just do the thing that makes you happy and share that with other people. And like, we're all going to be better for it. I think so. Alan, thank you so much. The time has flown by. On it was this amazing. Episode. This was so good. Alan, um, thank you so where much. can people find you? What do you have to plug? Um, so on Instagram, it's Alan underscore Sternberg. Um, I don't know my Facebook because it's probably Facebook. just your name, right? Yeah, probably. Zach will look it up. Yeah. He's really good at the internet. So I hired him. <laughs> That's why he's so quiet. <laughs> he looks he's like he's from the internet. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, what that means. You know, we, go- we googled him he just showed up we googled him and he just showed up i've got some pop-ups coming up um my social media is the easiest way to find out um you know hopefully right before covid hit my wife started doing um or did a cooking competition at, at rook um which was really fun and, and like just kind of it had a, that good energy that we were looking for so like we're just always trying to build community so we're always out there hustling and we're gonna keep going until you know until we can't yeah Nice. It's great. Thank you so much. And um, we'll see you next week. Brunch Nation. Brunch Nation. Stop saying it. God damn it. Now he's saying it. Brunch Nation.